Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on autism, Answers. And I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. And don't forget, when you come to listen to this show, you come to find answers. Because we're, you know, we're brave. We like to go where nobody else has gone before and become detectives of autism and go ahead and make up conclusions so we can actually come up with things to do. Otherwise, we're stuck just gathering and researching and our children grow up and we haven't figured out how to put them to sleep. Yes, sleep. See. Oh, and remember, at the end of the show, we have stories from the road. Following immediately after, okay, 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 it's the great guest giveaway. So you got to stay for those things because those things are awesome. All right. I'm going to call today's show to sleep for a chance to dream of not sleeping. And I'm going to call it that because when my kids were little, I remember going through about three, three and a half years where the longest amount of sleep I was able to catch was about 20 minutes in length. It was really difficult, to say the least. And after about three and a half years, they started to sleep in concert for up to three, four, sometimes five hours at a time. And you would think this would be a wonderful thing, but now that I had the opportunity to sleep, what I found was that I was having nightmares about not sleeping. (laughs) I think it's called PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Every time I would fall asleep, I would dream that I was awake. It was terrible. So uh, eventually we got past that, and I was taking a neuroanatomy class, and I found in this book called The Sleep Instinct a story about a woman who wouldn't sleep. I'm going to just, rather than read you this whole excerpt, I'm going to just basically paraphrase it for you. So she's a busy lady. She, you know, enjoys 23 hours of wakefulness and sees that as insufficient for her needs. In other words, this lady sleeps one hour a night. Now I'm reading this and I'm going, come on, please. She's retired, by the way. So she's an older woman, she's busy in the community, she helps sick friends, and and I'm reading about this, and they get her to go, you know, she likes to crochet and read and write, she just keeps herself busy. So they bring her into the laboratory to test and see if she's really telling the truth, that she only sleeps an hour a day. And unfortunately, the first couple nights in the laboratory, she explains to them that when there's something interesting to do, she doesn't sleep at all. So she sees being in the laboratory with other adults who are awake quite interesting. So she doesn't sleep for two nights. Finally, they say to her, look, we really have to do this study, so we're all going to ignore you, and please, if you feel tired, let yourself fall asleep. So she crochets and reads a little and does this and that. And then eventually they see, she's got her EEG equipment on, and they see the sleep waves come up. She's still got the book in her hand, and she sleeps for literally 99 minutes wakes up and says, can you all come in? I'm done. Could you visit? (laughs) I read about this and I had two immediate reactions. First reaction, completely jealous. Just imagine if that was all the sleep you needed. Just imagine how easy it would be to stay awake with your children. The second thought that popped to my mind was, just imagine what her mother went through trying to make her sleep. Maybe our children don't actually need sleep. So on this subject, I thought I should invite a husband and wife team, don't have one, haven't had one of those yet, 
come onto the show, so I'm very excited to introduce you to my friends because when I first went to their home, they approached sleep different. And I thought they would be the perfect people to share their point of view. So this is Chris. We're going to have husband first, wife second, because they can only be on the, you know, they have kids. Someone has to be with the kids. So um, we're going to talk to Chris first. They sleep all together in the same bed. So this is very European of them, but I had never seen it before. So hi, Chris. Hello. Hi. Thank you for being willing to come on the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. It's exciting to be here. Well, I think it is exciting because the way that you guys solve this problem, I believe, um, needs to be you know, kind of brought out into the American culture a little bit. I don't know if you are aware, or I'm going to get into that with you, but you know, a lot of the time, behaviorists come along and they spend all this time trying to get the children to sleep through the night in their own room. And if they were all sleeping together and getting some sleep, they could have moved on to language, potty training, you know, the important stuff. So how did you guys end up all sleeping in the same bed, and how was that for you? Come on, tell me some stuff here. Well, when even before we had children, Alicia and I were discussing kind of how that was going to go. And, of course, there's two big ideas about that. One would be, you know, that you're basically going to have the baby in a room by itself and maybe have a baby monitor and if the you know the baby needs something during the night, then probably Alicia would have to get up and go down and you know attend to the baby's needs. And then the other idea was that we could actually have the baby in the bed with us, um, do what's called co-sleeping. And from her point of view, that was going to be a lot easier for her because she wouldn't have to get up in the middle of the night to feed the child many times because she was breastfeeding. Um, and plus, it also helped to kind of calm our nerves because with the baby there with us, we would know what was going on with that baby all the time. And both of us were fairly light sleepers, so we were not worried about rolling over on the baby or anything like that that people are sometimes scared about. So we had decided, I think, from pretty close to the beginning that we were at least going to try that and see how it worked. And it, it worked so well that we did that with uh, our first child, Amanda, and then we did that again with Alex, and uh, that sort of continues to be the way that we do it. I think it's really interesting and awesome. So now, Amanda, did she sleep through the night well? I know Alex has had trouble with sleep, so let's kind of entertain some of that. Amanda did sleep through the, the night well. Um, from the very beginning, she's never really had any sleep issues at all. And part of that, I think, is attributable to that she stayed in our bed as long as she wanted to. Now she does have her own room, and she sort of splits her time between uh, sleeping with us part of the time and sleeping in her room part of the time. She's got the choice, and she sleeps well in either place. That's very cool. And what now with Alex, did you ever find yourself going, maybe this wasn't a good idea, or thank goodness we did it this way? Alex, for everyone to know, Alex has autism, and that often is accompanied by many sleep problems. So let's talk about that a little. Well, honestly, I think that keeping Alex in the bed with us the entire time um, has really been important for him, not only in terms of the quality of his sleep, 
but also, like Elise and I were talking about this a short while ago, that if you can imagine that, you know, Alex was born neurotypical, he didn't have autism to begin with, and then he went through this period of change where he lost the language that he had gained, and it was very clear that, you know, what was going on with him was very disturbing and very frightening for him. And so two things, number one, that he was in the bed with us, and number two, that he was still being breastfed. I think those in combination were a really powerful um, anchor for him, that even while lots of other things in his world were changing, he knew that he could be close to us, and that physical connection has always been really important for him. And so while, yes, there were times when I perhaps wished the children were not in the bed, uh, <laughs> I recognized that it was important for them, and it took me a while, but I also recognized that it was really important for Elisa too, uh, to be able to deal with the issues that were going on right there in the bedroom without having to get up and walk to another room and be fully awake and right. all of those sorts of things that she'll talk more about in a few minutes. And of course, since you're the guy, and the guy, the guy mm-hmm. point of view is usually, are you kidding me? How am I going to have romance? I cannot not ask that question because they're all going to be thinking that. So we have to ask, what did it do to your romantic life? You had a second child, obviously it didn't kill it. No, it didn't kill it, but I had, I'll be honest, I had difficulties with the whole romantic part of our relationship for a while. Like... For me, it was not frequent enough, of course. course. And Elise and I had a lot of um, conversations about that, heated conversations, you know, arguments about that. And um, it dawned on me eventually that my expectations were, number one, unreasonable, and that I was not really taking into consideration her experience of what it was like for her. Because the truth is, you know, when we're sleeping in the bed together, I tend to sleep pretty well, pretty deeply, pretty soundly, and Alicia sometimes not so much because if there's an issue that's going on with the kids, she's usually going to be the one to wake up. And um, so once I really understood from her point of view, you know, what her experience was in terms of waking up much more frequently than me, um, and that, quite frankly, my requests were unreasonable, then we both made an adjustment, and we both understood each other better, and I relaxed about it, she relaxed about it, and things just kind of took care of themselves. You know, I think that most marriages could say everything you just said, and they wouldn't have been sharing a bed with the family. They wouldn't have been co-sleeping with the whole family. Mm -hmm. So I guess what I want to know is, do you believe that you would have had more sex or romance, if, if we want to use a softer term, um, if you guys were not co-sharing? Or do you think that maybe you'd have had less or exactly the same? Like, have you thought about that? Yeah, I have thought about it, and I do think I'd have less because, again, I think that Alex has slept as well as he has slept, and Amanda both, because they were there with us. And so Alicia was actually able to get more sleep by having the kids in the same bed with us than she would have if she'd had to get up and walk to a completely different part of the house and address the issue that was going on and then come back to bed and hope that she would be able to fall back to sleep. It's much easier to fall back to sleep when you're already in your own bed. 
So I think ultimately the decision to have the kids in the bed with us resulted in more more romantic opportunities than it would have if we had done it a different way. Oh, boy, you probably just started fights across the nation. (laughs) (laughs) I understand. I was there. there. It's probably okay over in Europe, but but all the people here in America are going, the husband's like, turn that off right now. (laughs) (laughs) I love your candor, and I appreciate it very much. Before I get your wife on, I have one last question. Culturally, it's more normal for your wife to do co-sleeping than it is for you here to do co-sleeping, correct? Yeah, I think that's that's very accurate. So did you have anybody like friends or extended family or coworkers that were aware of this and, and you know, kind of bugged you about it or teased you or said you were crazy? Um, or did you just keep it to yourselves and not share it? I think mostly we kept it to ourselves. We didn't share that widely. I mean, obviously, like, neighbors and friends who came to the house would notice, gosh, there's two large king-size mattresses in there, you know, (laughs) kind of on the floor together. And um, when they went to the kids' rooms, they would notice, well, gosh, there aren't really beds in there. (laughs) So, you know, people could figure out what was going on, but we definitely didn't advertise it because it is culturally something that's, uh, a little different here, to say the least. I think it's changing a teensy bit, and certainly in in autism, this will be my bridge over to your wife. But you know, in autism, it's really important that we don't walk into the situation of raising autistic kids, trying to do it like our parents raised us. Our parents were raising someone who wasn't autistic, hopefully. And so right. the rules are no longer the same. And we really want to blow the lid off that. And that's why I appreciate so much your candor and your honesty. Thank you for joining me, Chris. I'm going to talk to Alicia now, but thank you so much. Is there anything you want to say before you go? No, Any words of wisdom to the men out there? Sure. Well, thank you very much for inviting me to be on the show. My only words of wisdom are that I think in order to be the most successful in your plan, you know, with your autistic child, flexibility is the key. And um, if I hadn't have been willing to be flexible to share our bed, then I don't think we would have achieved what we have already achieved. Which is really a beautiful story. I might get into some of that with you. So thank you so much, Chris. You're welcome. I'm going to hand the phone over to Alicia now. Well, he gets Alicia. Just to to remind you, we are speaking with Chris and Alicia, the husband and wife team, parents to an autistic child and a very eccentric genius daughter. And this is a new spin on autism answers. Stay to the end because you don't want to miss Okay, 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 the great guest giveaway and stories from the road. <laughs> and today we are talking about sleep. Oh, it's nice to talk to you. <laughs> it's nice to talk to you too. Were you sitting there listening to everything you said or, or do I have to catch you up? No, I, I listen to everything. Okay, I, I've got that on record that... He believes you guys had more intimacy because of co-sharing. So if he ever says he never said that, I will. you just go and you pull up the podcast. Okay. <laughs> now I think you will remember. Okay. So what did, was there anything that you were sitting there listening to and thinking, oh, I just want to add this, I just want to add this? Uh, there was a lot. Okay. Just... I probably forgot half of it. Okay. 
What uh, pops to mind? I wanted to mention that in the beginning, it was not like we decided that we will conceive with our kids. The thing is that our firstborn child had reflux, and I couldn't move her when she was sleeping because she would immediately wake up, spitting up, and cry. So finally, I read somewhere that I can nurse lying down in the bed. And I did it, and I rolled away, and she just kept sleeping. Oh. <laughs> this is how it started. And then I think she was a few months old, and I kind of, we tried to put her in the crib. And then my scoliosis came in, in the way, and I just couldn't pick her up from this crib. So it was another moment when I said, okay, we are keeping sleeping in our bed. <laughs> And there was one more moment that I remember that when she was a baby, my husband once came from his work, and he was telling about his supervisor crying at, at, uh, at work mm -hmm. because their friends had a fire in the house, and they couldn't get to a bedroom of a three-year-old oh. child. And the child died, and they heard her screaming. And, oh, my goodness. And, you know, and I realized that, you know, this, this may happen. And I think ever since I had this strong, like, I remember falling asleep in our bed and just thinking, you know, everything that really matters to me is right here next to me. I can just reach my arm, grab it, and run away if I need to. And I will have what matter, what, you know, what's the only important thing. That's awesome. I love that you remember. See, that's so male and female. <laughs> it, it is different. I, and I remember that when I told Chris and I made him promise me that we will never put kids in separate bedrooms till they are big enough, old enough to open windows by themselves and follow directions, like telling them, okay, jump out, you know. Right, right. So I think it, it, for me it was just this, safety. You know, it's a safety issue. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. So it was more than just trying to get sleep through the night. It was all of these other yeah. aspects as well. So it, was, it was almost like, you know, more things were coming on the way that was like, oh, so we are doing the right thing. <laughs> okay, I feel good with it, you know. Now I have more arguments than just, you know, I can sleep. Right. But, the, I mean, I think sleep is very, very important unless you're this woman that I talked about at the beginning of the show that you didn't hear about. Yeah, I, I've heard about it. Yeah, I, I was hanging over Chris's ear and I heard this. <laughs> I'm like, unless oh. you're her, sleep, sleep is very important for us to oh. restore, replenish. It helps our memory. It helps our bodies. I mean, it's necessary. So has sleeping with, um, especially Alex, who's had some sleep issues, has that been better or worse, do you think, for you getting your sleep? Well, honestly, we never tried another way, so I cannot tell. I can tell you that whenever I go somewhere and I sleep alone, I cannot sleep. You know, I cannot sleep in a hotel room. I cannot sleep alone, even if I change the room. Sometimes I am tired and I ask Chris to you know, stay in bed with Alex, and I go to another room, and I just cannot sleep. You know what I think is interesting, Alicia, is that because it, certainly when I grew up, this wasn't normal to all sleep together, and you know it would never have occurred to me to say to 
you know, one of my many husbands. <laughs> we have to all sleep in the same bed together, especially since there were eight kids. I'm pretty sure we wouldn't have fit. However, what's funny about that is what we would do is we would take all the cushions off of the couch and we would pull a mattress and we would fill the living room so that we would basically turn the living room into your bedroom and, you know, pretend we were having a camp out and we would have the, you know, watch a movie together and then we'd all go to sleep. And just because we called it an event, even though it went on for night after night after night, um, it's, it didn't feel like we were doing something that wasn't culturally accepted. Wow. So isn't it funny that, in fact, we were still doing the same thing? Well, I'm not actually, you see... I know what Chris said, and now you said that it's not culturally accepted, but honestly, most of my friends were kids. (laughs) I mean, here, I mean, American friends, it's just, you know, it's kind of like, just like Chris said, somebody will enter, you know, the bedroom and will be like, oh, we sleep with our kids too, you know. (laughs) People don't talk about it maybe that much, but, you know, I think a lot of people do it. And I remember when I was telling somebody how, you know, it's easier because kids get up and wake up and I can, you know, just, just like Chris said, address whatever needs to be addressed right there in the bed. And I had somebody who had, like, preteen kids. And she looked at me and she said, you know, I still don't sleep for the night because kids either have growing pains, nightmares, you know, they outgrow breastfeeding, and then they have other reasons not to sleep. And another thing, it, it was really funny, exactly the same day when you, you know, uh, asked if we would appear on your show, mm-hmm. uh, exactly the same day, Amanda, who at the moment is sleeping with me in, in, in our bedroom, and I asked her, when, where are you sleeping tonight? And she said, you know, I can sleep alone, but when I sleep with you and I have a nightmare, I just open my eyes, I see you there, and I go back to sleep. And I even don't remember what the nightmare is, what nightmare it was. But when I sleep alone, when I wake up and I'm all shaking and my heart is beating fast and I'm so afraid and I have to go to your room because I know that I will not fall asleep and it's just much better in your bed. <laughs> and I mean, you know, when you think about it, where do adults sleep? When you're married, you don't have Yeah, you sleep sleep. together so that you can turn to the other person and say, I'm a grown-up, but I want you to comfort me, honey. (laughs) No, I think you're, Alicia, I think you're right. I think it's just, when I say it's culture not accepted, I mean we don't talk about it. And everybody's, you know, it probably, Chris is probably also right. It probably actually impedes romance because, Half the time you're going to your child's bed who had a nightmare and then you're falling asleep in the bed with them and then they'll come into you and that's kind of coitus interruptus. So exactly. you end up being afraid of it and it's, it just turns into an awful lot of back and forth in the house instead of let's all go to sleep now. And you know, just like you said about your adventures with your family, you know, what I just realized our sleeping arrangement changed. Like, uh, you know, sometimes I will sleep separately, sometimes I will sleep alone, sometimes uh, there were even times when we were putting Alex to bed in his room because he was sleeping there better. So right. it's just, you know, it's about being flexible. Right. Yep. And I think as long as we are just 
everybody sleeps pretty well, it's, it's okay. I agree. Okay, so what's your last? Uh, we got to go because we already are over time. So any words okay. of wisdom that you want to share before you say goodbye to everybody? Well, I, I think I just wanted to, I'm not here to, you know, advocate sleeping together. I think if somebody hates it, truly hates it, it's a very bad solution for them. So, you know, just whatever works. And with sleeping, with eating, with whatever is the problem, whatever works, that's fine. I agree. I agree. And I think your family works just awesomely. And just to give you a little pat on the back for everybody, um, Alicia just at one point she emailed me and said, "Well, I want to do this. I've watched what you do, and I want to do it, but I want to do it myself." So, she would email me every day as she was doing some play work with her son, and um, literally every day I'd get an email explaining where she was at and what she was thinking, and and I'd give her some advice or not, just read it and say, "You're doing great. Keep going." And the the commitment that you showed to your son's program was just so impressive and I just really really um, I feel very honored to be a part of your journey you're just a wonderful parent well thank you we are really happy to have you involved it's, it's lovely good all right thank you for being here and have a wonderful day and thank you thank you thank you well we hope we will have a wonderful night <laughs> I hope you will too <laughs> okay bye bye all right goodbye bye well, wasn't that fun? That was Chris and Alicia, the co-sleeping, co-sharing parents from over on the East Coast in the States here. I promise not to identify them 100%. Um, okay, now it is time for, okay, 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 we have the great guest giveaway. And keeping with the, see, the theme of to sleep, perchance to dream, of not sleeping, uh, we have Sean Folks. And, now, he's got... Um, I don't know anything about his bar. I'm going to ask him all about it. But he's got what's called a night nutrition bar, and I just love the sound of that. Imagine going to sleep every night having a, a lovely bite of a bar. So hopefully it tastes good. Hi, Sean. Thank you for coming and, and talking to us today. Hi, Lynette. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. So let's start with your bar for sleep. Uh, does it taste good? Does it have lots of calories? Are we going to get fat? Does it work with autism? Tell us all about it. Sure. Well, first of all, you mentioned taste a couple times, so let's start there. I mean, the bars are delicious. Uh, the flavor is cookies and cream, uh, and the bars mm. are actually made with real Oreo cookies. Oh, wow. Uh, crumbled up inside the bars, and uh, they're totally yummy, but they they fulfill the nutritional profile for a good night of sleep. So, each bar is only 150 calories, which is uh, within the recommended range. You know, sleep experts and nutrition experts recommend a small, healthy snack before bed. So we created the bar to meet the nutritional profile that's recommended. So it's 150 calories, very high in fiber. It's got five grams of fiber. It's got some protein. So it's designed, it's delicious, and it's designed to help fill you up on relatively few calories. And to help with sleep. Now, one thing that's really important, uh, and I know a lot of our, uh, a lot of people that buy the bars from us are buying them for, for family members or children with autism. Each bar has 1.5 milligrams of melatonin, which, as, as I'm sure you know, is um, a very popular supplement uh, that people use to help them uh, help get to sleep. 
Oh, uh, yeah, very much so, especially in the world of mm-hmm. autism. Melatonin is yeah. quite a popular supplement, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so each bar has some melatonin in it, and you know they're designed so that you don't have to go to bed hungry uh, as, a, as a healthy and delicious late-night snack that also does help with sleep. Wow, that's a really great idea. I mean, not only not only to help them fall asleep, but help them get into bed. Like, well, you can't have your delicious Oreo cookie bar until you get into bed. I, I really like this idea. Now, um, with autism, of course, there's the people that are concerned with gluten-free and casein-free. That doesn't include the entire population. But some parents worry about that, so they would be um, exempt from using this bar. But the rest of the folks should give it a try, I would think. Um, is there anything other that you want to tell us about your different products other than just the nighttime bar? Well, that's the, the night food nutrition bar is the single product that we have that we launched with. Uh, we will be rolling out more flavors at some point. Uh, in the near future. Oh my gosh, but, that's, uh, that's awesome. So you've specialized in just helping people sleep. That's- well, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, I was a, I'm a former insomniac and I used to eat God knows what at all hours of the night because, you know, you're bored and you're hungry and, uh, you know, sleep and nutrition are very tightly related. And the more I researched this, the more I realized that, uh, by eating the right things at night, you can actually help support much better sleep. And that's, that was the, uh, the motivation behind creating the bars and bringing them to market. Wow, that's awesome. That's, I, I love it when somebody comes to a product from their own personal story. They always bring uh, – something about subjective knowledge means that you bring something special to it that perhaps wouldn't have been known otherwise when people are just mm-hmm. on the outside looking in. So that's really cool. So do you sample your own bars? Do they help you sleep? I have a bar just about every night, and yes, they they totally help with sleep. And for me especially, I play hockey late at night sometimes, um, and uh, it definitely helps after a game, help me unwind, help me get to sleep, and get better quality sleep as well and wake up feeling more refreshed. And that's, that's, that's more important. A lot of people that are just taking sleeping pills or things that help them get to sleep, if you're not feeling more energetic the next day, you're not really getting the benefits that uh, uh, that you should be holding out for. I mean, it's one thing to sleep. It's another thing to feel refreshed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Um, okay, so this is the Okay, Okay, Okay Great Guest Giveaway. Sean, what are you going to give away? Yeah, so anybody who wants to visit our website, we've got a sample box giveaway. They can uh, simply go onto our website and uh, click on that link, and what they'll get is – uh, two boxes of bars uh, for nine ninety nine. Uh, anybody who wants to get a free sample within the next, you know, forty eight hours or so, they can just email us and just put, uh, you know, put the subject line. Uh, I knew it's been on autism answers. Yeah, and uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll actually waive that uh, ten dollar charge. Well, thank you, Sean. That's, I'm really. I hope somebody takes you up on it and then lets me know how it goes. That's really awesome. Anything you want to say before we say goodbye that you want to share with people, words of wisdom, and obviously I need you to say your website. Yeah, sure. I'm sorry. It's nightfood.com. That's N-I-G-H-T-F-O-O-D.com. And really, I mean, if if you've got uh, kids or family members that are using supplemental melatonin already, uh, you know, there's no reason not to try the nutrition bars. A lot of people snack at night. Sometimes they're eating the wrong things that will interfere with sleep. 
So we've created a supplement here that can deliver the melatonin and create a, a, a good nutritional foundation for better quality sleep every night. Wow, that's perfect. Thank you so much for being with us. I really appreciate it, and I hope your business soars. My pleasure, Lynette. Thanks so much. That was Sean Folkson of Night Nutrition Bars. Now, that sounds yummy and wonderful, and I remember traveling in Korea with not very much money with my son, Dar, and so we were always going to bed hungry while we were there. We would eat through the day and then walk, 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 and then we wouldn't have enough uh, food or budget for eating just before bed. And it was very hard to fall asleep. So I can completely relate to it's better to have something in your stomach before falling asleep. And it is now time for Stories from the Road. Just to wind this this whole thing up. I was working in New York with a young boy, just adorable, and the parents were having a lot of problems with his sleep pattern. And so they were describing it to me and describing it to me, and and I just really couldn't get a handle on it, and I happened to be staying there for two weeks anyway. So I said, well, let me sleep on the floor in his room and see what's going on. So I, you know, once he's asleep, you know, they sneak me in, and I lay down on the floor on on a sleeping bag, and I sleep. And it is so dark in the room. At around 5 o'clock in the morning, he wakes up with a start. He's like, oh, you know, just startled. You can just hear the sound of his heart pounding in this quiet room. And I say, it's okay, you're okay, you're okay. So clearly he's having a nightmare. But he grabs a hold of me, recognizes my voice. And besides, I probably said my name. But anyways, he grabs a hold of me, pulls me up onto the bed. He goes, stay here, stay here, stay here, stay here. And what I realized is that they had solved his sleep problem from years before by making the room so dark that not a sliver of light could come in. And what he was experiencing was waking up, possibly the first time when he woke up, he was not having a nightmare, but woke up and it was so dark that made him frightened. At any rate, however it began, he had this pattern now of, waking up at a certain time possibly because he had to pee or whatever and then it was so dark it was terrifying and I have to say it was that dark. The reason I bring up this story is because as we move through our time with our children solving problems it's really important to recognize that a short-term solution can sometimes create a long-term problem. In his case it could have created lifelong nightmares and fear of the dark. So what you want to do is always say to yourself, okay, even behavioral teachings have side effects. Even if it gets him quiet through the night, what is it doing for his future? And you want to do that with everything that you come across, not just sleep. All right, I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. This is a new spin on autism, answers. And I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Without you, I'd just be talking to myself. Can't hear you.